Timberwolves, the podcast, Santa Claus's second most requested podcast. It's a show about our favorite team. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Welcome to episode seven. The year is almost over. Merry Scott. Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. It is a special Christmas edition of Timberwolves, the podcast. Thanks for listening on the holiday weekend or whenever you're listening to this. I hope you've gotten some time away from your family today to uh, enjoy this while you're maybe you're watching in some of the terrific NBA games that are on all Christmas long. Lots of great Christmas Day games. And yeah, you go ahead, sneak away, you know, after some some food or some presents and go for a walk or something like that and uh, listen to us talk about the Timberwolves. We're recording this on Christmas Eve right now, one day after the Spurs came to Target Center on the 23rd. It was a Wednesday game. And that was a little less like Santa Claus, a little bit more like Krampus (laughs) for you, the evil Santa Claus monster, because they took our toys. They were the Grinch who stole Christmas. They came in here and they took all the ornaments off the tree. And they took the, the the baked feast away. Obviously, the story of the season is the Golden State Warriors being so incredible, but it sort of overshadows the Spurs, who are probably the second best team in the league. And they are playing some amazing basketball, kind of going unnoticed in a way. It did not go unnoticed last night. Oh, they always center. fly under the radar. Although you were at the game, so you didn't hear yeah. this great Jim Pete quip. Or he said he was making the point about how this team has been so great for so long and they never get the kind of love that they deserve. Yeah. They're never like the hottest team in the league, even though they've always been the best. They like and it that way. They like it that way. Yeah. They're happy about that, by the way. Yeah. And, but also, and so he used the point to illustrate, he goes, how many people are, you never see like Tim Duncan's jersey in the top selling list or Tony Parker's jersey in the right. top selling list. And I, and I said, well, of course not, Jim. They haven't changed their jersey in 20 years. Duncan, Duncan's been in the league for 19 <laughs> seasons. Parker's been in the league for over a decade. It's like, well, you buy one of those jerseys. The black and white jerseys. Yeah, if you bought a Tim Duncan jersey 15 years ago, you can still wear You're that good. sucker. You don't have to buy a new one every year. And so, I mean, I get the point he was making. He was correct yes. overall. Yes. But there's a reason they're not why. Sexy. They're, not, they're not flashy either. Yeah. Yeah. You see a San Antonio game, everyone's wearing Duncan jerseys, but they all probably got them in different years over the past two decades. <laughs> For a long time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, the Spurs, whenever the Spurs come to town, it's a great, it's a great show. Kawhi was amazing. Um, but having the Spurs in town really got us thinking about some of the differences between the two teams right now. Um, you know, I think a phrase you used was the, the, the wolves kind of seem JV as, 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 uh, you know, as, as it pertains to the Spurs, what, what do we think about that? What, where do the wolves, what do the wolves have to do to kind of come up and, and be Spurs more Spursian, if you will? <laughs> yeah. It, it's like a whole different level of basketball being played. It's the difference between reading picture books and like reading war and peace <laughs> or something. And pop would like that. That you said that. Yeah, Pop would like that. Yeah. Uh, he and he doesn't like much. Merry Christmas, Greg Popovich, wherever you are. But yeah, they're on a whole different level, just an institutional level. We know that their front office and their coaching staff and the players are all on the same kind of level and they have this culture there where you you get it or you don't stick around. And they only bring in people who get it. And so they know what players they're looking for. We always make a joke whenever they pick up a player, some random player, we go, Oh, well, he's gonna be awesome, you know. Although I haven't seen Austin Day. It didn't work out for Austin Day. But right now, Ray McCollum Jr. is that guy where they got him from the Canes and everyone's like, oh, great. We'll see Ray McCollum in an all-star game now. They always seem to find people off the scrap heap. And because they only tell people to play their roles in the part of the bigger machine, they don't ask for players to do more than they can carry. And so 
I mean, I was watching my friend Polum last night, and he pointed out how much energy the Spurs seem to have. And I say, yeah, because they just run from one spot to the next spot. They always know where they're supposed to go on the court. Yeah. They read the set, and then they know where they're supposed to move next. And because of that, they're just running point A to point B to point C. And it's not like us where we stand around and we're like looking at each other mm-hmm. like, oh, is, is Wiggins going to cut right here? Is a pick going to come? Where We're all five. We're standing around on offense kind of trying to read what's happening and react appropriately. They, they don't need to uh, react appropriately. They know exactly where they're supposed to go. Yeah. And so it's this such a huge difference. You know, it's like... I think, yeah, and I think, I think the, what we're talking about, is, it, it, a lot of that is continuity. You know, that's that's the word in the league that gets thrown around a lot. And the Spurs are the, the kind of like gold standard for that. You know, it's about playing with the same people. It's about playing in the same system for the same coach for such a long time. That makes all the difference in the world to, to, to what you're saying about knowing what position the court to be um, almost before it. you need to be there. Those types of things all come from, you know, just doing it for a very long time and the Spurs are the best at that. And it's a continuity too through the front office all the way down to the players in the sense that because they're all on the same page, the front office knows which players to go target. Right. And the coaching staff knows like how they're going to instruct these players when they come in and you never have, you know, maybe like Adrian Payne coming to the team and we're like, well, how does he fit onto this squad? <laughs> so the so how do the Wolves, uh, you know, achieve some of this? Can they achieve some of this? I, I think, I think it's tough because I think it has to start at the top and the Wolves, uh, you know, right now are in a tumultuous situation with their, with their, um, you know, front office situation and their coach situation. So, you know, I, I don't know where it has to start somewhere, but, but what do you think about, about where, how, what this, the Wolves can do to emulate the Spurs in some way? Here's an unpopular opinion alert. Uh-oh. <laughs> Careful. Maybe not so unpopular. I've heard people say it before, but Glenn right. needs to sell the team. Right. We will not be it's successful happening. with Glenn owning the team. And yeah. I like Glenn. I like him a lot. He's yeah. kept Minnesota. He's kept the team in Minnesota. Glenn, I love you for it. Yeah. I know it, it would have been so easy for him to bail out and sell to Seattle. So sure. I love you, Glenn. You'll always have a place in my heart. But <laughs> he just just shown that he does not have the grasp of like how hard you have to work in the front office, how cutting edge you need to be, how you have to push all the boundaries now to win a title. You can't just win a title anymore by having a couple star players and rolling them out there. This is like, it's too hard to win a title in this league. Star power alone doesn't do it. If Cat becomes Tim Duncan and Wiggins becomes Kawhi Leonard, like we still need the system that Kawhi and Duncan thrived in. We still need to have that kind of forward thinking, progressive mindset uh, and we were, we were not going to have that with Glenn around because he hires his buddies and you know, right. that's, that's Country the way it's club. always been. And so I don't think Glenn is, I don't think he's the right mind to have at the head of the team. If we're going, I mean, clearly he hasn't been, he's looking for other people. And so we, I, we need to shake it up. We need to have a comprehensive approach where we know this is our brand of basketball. Mm-hmm. It can't just be, let's wait till we get stars and then let the stars determine how far we go. Yeah, and it's in some ways it's not really about copying what the Spurs are doing now because that's always changing. That's something they always figure out how to get to the next point. It's more about, like you're saying, systematically. Like it's something that is a big picture thing, and you just start the right way, and then create your own version of the Spurs. Whatever you know, you know, don't just try to copycat them or ape on them. Just do your own thing in their kind of um, you know continuity way and their way of of being ahead of trends and that and that thing. I think that's really what we're trying to chase. We have to create a culture. There we go. <laughs> Scott, let's talk about Gorgie Jang. 
He well, is been, a few bright spots in this past uh, stumbling, bumbling couple yeah, of weeks, uh, yeah. losing slump. That's right. Well, Gorgie's been playing amazing. He, um, you know, he's really, um, you know, after a slow start, he's really come on. And, um, you know, over the last four games, he's averaging uh, 12 and a half points, uh, shooting 62% from the floor and uh, his nine rebounds. And that's only in 30 minutes. Um, you know, of play, which is a lot. He's been getting more more minutes um, lately. And so, there's um, no coincidence in my mind that his play has become more efficient with the more minutes he gets because yeah. he's spending less time on bench units with Zach Levine and Kevin Martin and Shabazz as his Hogger, you know wings Right, Gorgie's not catching a pass in that situation. Everything he got with those minutes is just like rebounds and stuff. Or, right. And so, like when he's playing with Ricky and people, he's very smart about where to be on the floor. He's going to catch and shoot. He's going to be set up for a lot more easy buckets that way. Yeah, he, he's he's been really good, and it's been nice to sort of, you know, I think to put him on the floor either in, re, in replacing Cat or alongside Carl Anthony Towns. And I think that's something that a lot of people want to see more of going forward, you know, with the whole Carl Anthony Towns, Gorgie Jang back uh, front court, excuse me. That, that could be pretty formidable. They kind of yin and yang in a lot of ways as far as defense goes. You know, I think Gorgie's more of a positional de- defender and, you know, can do some help things. Whereas, um, you know, well, Carlton Towns right now can do it all. Come on, he can do it all. Yeah. But he's more of the rim protector that you need um, right there, whereas that's kind of a weakness for Gorgie. So I think they fit together pretty well, right? I really like how they fit together because we've seen them both uh, show the ability to switch onto Waynes and guard the perimeter in short stints both of them can so they can switch defenders uh really easily with each other down in the post if they need to and if either of them get caught on a pick and roll they can easily uh switch you know and and switch out to guarding the ball handler two bigs just switching it and and both of them have a shooting touch uh we've seen cat step out to the three-point line elbow jays gorgie i can't believe how many of jump shots he's hitting (laughs) like those lawn twos he's just automatic for him that so far and so both not banking as many this year though no not banking as many he he was like in the top five in banks bank shots uh last year i think like up there with d wade and duncan but this year we really haven't seen it not too many actually what's the deal with that we've seen a little less of his uh you know dirk fadeaway kind of one leg (laughs) shot that he practices i mean he worked with dirk shooting coach yeah i like that your point yeah gorgie's not super good he's not as good as cat is in the paint with some post moves but he's right there with him they should both be able to space enough to create enough space for them to both work and i like them i like our scenario now with kg starting because we should never have any minutes where there's not gorgie or cat on the floor Uh that's the advantage of having two uh very good backup bigs or two you know a good big rotation right that you can uh never have like a bench unit that doesn't have gorgie or cat at the five maybe when peck comes back that you can run a bench rotation with uh, Peck at the five. But. Yeah, that'll be interesting when Peck comes back. But right now, we got a good thing going. It's a big man rotation. That's something, you know, obviously the, the center position is something that uh, has not been kind to the Timberwolves over the last 20 years or so. It's never really had a, a really a true star or even a lot of depth in the front court. Oh, you're forgetting the Darko years, my friend. Well, Darko, yeah, he came in and uh, helped us out a little bit, Mr. Darko. That was back, actually back with <laughs> back our Peck. rotation was, yeah, Peck, Darko, and Costa Kufis. Of course. I mean, yeah. So, so I think it's nice that the the Wolves finally have some some relatively young talent. I mean, Gorgie's a little bit older, but you know, Cat and Gorgie together, nice nice pair of young dudes who have been pretty healthy so far. So let's hope uh, let's hope for continued success 
from those two guys. Um, I can't wait for Gorgie Bobblehead Night. <laughs> Gorgie Bobblehead Night. It's this weekend, holiday weekend. Get out to Target Center. No, Cat is this holiday weekend. Oh, I can't oh, wait for yeah, Gorgie. Cat is this weekend. Gorgie's the last one. The Gorgie's last one in April. Year. I can't wait. Check that one out, too. It's going to be my favorite one. Fine. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about the wolf shooting threes, which uh, you know they don't really do. Uh, specifically, threes from the corner. Something that uh, again, kind of noticed after last night's game of you know the Spurs break you down so much, and then they find that shooter in the corner, and that's it. And that's just something that's so foreign to the Wolves' offense. What's that about? The Wolves are last place with a bullet. There's a gap between <laughs> the team that shoots the 29th most corner threes and the team, the Wolves, who shoot the least <laughs> corner threes, yeah. is bigger than the gap from like number one. To 15 on that list it's crazy to the point where where you have to be doing this intentionally you you wouldn't like unintentionally you would think we'd get a little closer to league average just by happenstance but there must be some kind of mandate that says you cannot take corner threes because otherwise we would have at least like a comparable amount to some other teams but ours is so far down we are so far down that list that the scouting report at this point says don't guard them in the corner they never take it like why would you ever guard a Timberwolves player in the corner? Like they, they don't have to worry about it. When you're making defenses not have to worry about spaces on the floor, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Shoot three or four more corner threes a game. Even if you don't make them, at least they'll t- draw defenders out there and create more spacing. Right now, a player runs in the corner and you can just not guard them because we don't take them. Yeah, it just seem, doesn't seem to be part of the offense. I mean, and obviously the whole three-pointers in general thing is something that is a sticking point for uh, Wolves fans and, you know, you know asking and Sam Mitchell, why don't we shoot more? And you know his his argument of the fact that we don't have the personnel to shoot them um, holds a little bit of weight, but not enough for me. You know that they still should be getting up more. Um, it's, it's, you know they, they have a couple of different guys who who could do that. Right now, all you really see is Ricky shoots some corner threes uh, from time to time. Shabazz, if he can if he can yep. get one out there, yeah, Boz will be there. Wiggins but, sometimes, the like, but the, you would think with Wiggins, like you want to take a few from the corner because your man would guard you closer, it frees up space for you to cut. Yeah, get those back door cuts and have more cutting room but yeah it's the shortest three-point shot um you know so that's why it's so valuable that's why you know you hear a lot about the corner three is it's 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 a, a three-point shot from a two-point distance exactly and, and the wolves need to do more of it come on how many games though are we just out of it because like last night uh, in the third quarter i think it was uh when against the spurs the Wolves were one for four from three, and the Spurs were seven for 14. <laughs> and so, like, the Spurs had made almost twice as many as we had taken. The same thing in the Boston, Boston game. Boston, yeah. Where it's just like, say, if, yeah. if, we can't, if they're going to make more threes than we take, we, we can't win a single game like that. We will lose every single game we play like that. And so maybe this is a subtle tanking maneuver. Maybe this is how we keep sure. our pick. No, we'll, because, work, we'll work that into the game next year or the year after. You yeah, know, we'll that, get there. That's what it has to be because <laughs> clearly there's just no way to look at the math and be like, we can win games if we don't take as many threes as they make. Like, that's just not logical. Yeah, I mean, it's... We're just, not trying to win if we're not taking threes. You know, I, I, I don't know that the Wolves need to, you know, go all Golden State on us. That's where I think, you know, Sam is right, that we should be taking that many threes. But the Wolves are last in the league in three-point attempts at 16.2 per game and, and that's just that's no man's land you like know, or, or get also, out of the basement of that get more towards the middle of the league is all, all, all we're asking for here or you know five what? more threes a game would be great <laughs> be 30th in the league but be like you know within you know 15 threes of the last place or second last place instead of like 100 threes away from second to last place don't be number 30 yeah. with a bullet just be like uh, like an average number 30 I'm not even asking you to be the second uh, worst in the league you can still be the worst 
first. Just don't make it such a huge emphasis on not taking these. Get those threes up, guys. Come on. Wait a minute. Did, did someone just knock on the door of the podcast studio? Man, it sure sounded like it. Let me let me go check. <laughs> wow, it's Santa Claus. It's a Christmas miracle. Wait, how'd you get here, Santa? Ho, ho, Scott, Neil. I'm Santa Claus. It's Christmas. This is what I do. <laughs> well, as we're recording, it is the evening of December 24th. Makes sense that you're out and about. Don't you have a trillion toys to deliver tonight? What are you doing here? <laughs> Boys, I love the wolves and I love your podcast. Your weekly banter and half-assed commercial parodies make me laugh each week. Wow, Santa, you're a Timberwolves fan? <laughs> Why, yes. Everyone who lives in the North Pole knows that Minnesota is the true north of the NBA. Toronto Raptors marketing campaign be damned. I bet most of the Timberwolves guys are on the nice list. Are any on the naughty list? <laughs> I can't tell you that. It's classified. Oh, Ricky Rubio. Wait, Santa, it sounded like you just said that Ricky is on the naughty list. Why? Hey, boys, they just give me a list. And I manufacture and deliver those presents. <laughs> can't shoot. <laughs> can't, Ricky can't shoot. <clears throat> All over the world. Hey, Come on, he's historically bad shooting the ball, but he can still find ways to positively impact the game on both sides of the court. Anyway, Santa, while we have you here, can you tell us what you're delivering to a few of the Timberwolves players later tonight? Oh, Scott, well, I suppose that would be all right. I do love your show. <laughs> all right, what are you bringing to Andrew Wiggins this year? Maple syrup, a Jose Bautista jersey, and the new Justin Bieber album, of course. The young man misses home. <laughs> what about KG? He seems like he might be on the naughty list. No, no, no. He's been on the nice list for years. His gift was easy. Just went down the street and picked up a six-pack of Beast. I heard him saying recently that you can't do that here in the States. Weird. What about Kevin Martin? What is he getting this Christmas? Well, well, well I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say that uh, Mr. Martin is getting a nice new set of luggage tonight. <laughs> oh, Santa just winked at us. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Trade rumors, Santa. Very nice. Oh, fellas, I better get going. Big night, you know. But before I go, I just want to say Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a Happy New Year. Wow, Santa, catchphrases from our favorite family Christmas movie, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York? Santa really is Christmas. And just like that, he's gone. Wow, he's just like, where'd he go? He just wiggled his nose. You don't even have gone. a chimney. I don't know how he got in here. Just disappear. That's the Santa magic. Wow, that was amazing, Santa. It's a Christmas spirit right here, right here in the podcast studio. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more Timberwolves, the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Timberwolves the Podcast. I'm Scott here with our sponsor message of the week. Today we're very excited. Our corporate partners at US Bank have an exciting new opportunity that will surely gain the interest of Timberwolves fans like you and me. The vast majority of retirement portfolios in this country fail because vapid investors prematurely withdraw their savings. Introducing the US Bank Timberwolves Investment Portfolio. It's a high interest yielding financial account 
that won't release your savings until the Timberwolves make the playoffs. U.S. Bank protects your long-term investment from your fleeting impulses by locking your capital until an arbitrary accomplishment is achieved by overpaid professional game players. When the Timberwolves finally make the postseason, you can celebrate twice, once for your team and again for your ability to access your own money. Contact U.S. Bank today and use promo code WIGGYWITCH to get a special introductory rate. U.S. Bank and Timberwolves, the podcast. Thanks for listening. It's a mail bag. It's a m m m m m mail bag. It's a mail bag. It's a mail bag. It's a m m m m m mail bag. Letters on letters like the alphabet, yo. This segment's called Mailbag. So if you got a question about the wolves, let us know. There's a good chance that we'll read it on the show. Yeah, send us your letters. Send us your messages. Send us your carrier pigeons. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Welcome to Mailbag, everybody. Everyone's favorite segment where we read totally real questions from everybody who listens to our show. Do you think podcasts in 20 years will be calling it Mailbox or Inbox? Whoa. Welcome to Inbox, everybody. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's uh, it's going to be more relevant to current technology. <laughs> I get it. Okay, yeah, I, I think I think that's something that will happen in the future. But I we think could, we could have made this Christmas theme by calling it Santa's bag. Or Santa's something. bag. We already talked to Santa, though. You yeah, know what I mean? Took his bag with him. We we already got our Santa content in. Uh, first question comes to us from Kelly. She's at Kells. Yeah, Kells. K E L Z. Yeah, Kells. Um, Kelly's question is happy holidays. She writes happy holidays guys. Happy holiday Kelly. Everyone knows the best part of Christmas is the five NBA games on TV. The Wolves haven't ever played on the NBA's holiday. So what are some former Timberwolves we can keep an eye out for in this year's game? Always fun. Thanks for the question. This is my favorite Uh, part of Christmas. Always fun to watch for old school Wolves. Um, and former Timberwolves, um, Timberwolves alumni, we'll call them <laughs> Wolves alum, Wolves alum in the Christmas game. Um, let's just run them down here. We, 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 fa- we figured it out. You All know, right. we first game of the day went through the rosters. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to go down to the Christmas tree, rip yeah. open your presents and then quickly turn on Pelicans heat. First yes. game of the day. That should be good. Yes. Both teams have uh, alumnus of the Timberwolves. You might recognize on the Pelican squad, Dante Cunningham. Gets a lot of run these days. And on the Heat squad, slam dunk champion, Gerald Green. Nine and a half fingers. Gerald yeah. Green right there. So, uh, yeah, a couple guys, a couple exciting players right there. I miss Dante. I wish he was still on the team, sort of. You I'm, know, I think I'm, he reminds me a lot of Adrian Payne. Adrian Payne is like Dante Cunningham Jr., I think. Yeah, you know, they have kind of a similar game. They play, you know, they have a similar build and position on the court and stuff. It felt like it took Dante a few years to get to that point, though. I hope it doesn't take Adrian as long, or else Adrian might be doing it for the Pelicans as well. Yeah, second game, Bulls Thunder. No Timberwolves players in in former Wolves on either side. <laughs> although, game. although Sebastian Telfair played for the Thunder a couple years ago, so that still counts. I'd Bassie, count where that. are you? Bassie, are you are you not in the league anymore? Where are no, you, Bassie? China? China? Think? I think he's in China. China. Yeah, good for Bassie. Yeah. All right, but the next one. This is a big one. This is the game of the day. I would say it's the Cavs against the Warriors, rematch of last year's finals. But unlike last year's finals, there are two Timberwolves players, <laughs> former Timberwolves players who are on the Cavs. All right. 
The first one, the most notable one, the one we all know about, is Mo Williams. Yes, 52 scored points. 52 <laughs> points as a Timberwolf. Check out his jersey number. All in regulation, oh, too, right? Court. Yeah. It's not like Kevin oh, Love. Yeah. When oh, Kevin Love needed his overtime to get it, you know? Yeah, four quarters. That's it. No, that, Mo, the, <laughs> the, the, the kid Williams. <laughs> Going back to the team where he was an all-star in his youth with the Cavs. Yes, Mo. Probably see a little less of him now that Kyrie's back. And then also some guy named Kevin Love. Some chump he named Kevin Love. Playing well this season. No, nah, I like Kevin Love. I, I appreciate my It's Kevin so Love. much easier to not have any hate in your heart when we won that trade. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I said a fearless sword. No, it's great. It's great to look back on the trade and be such a good trade for the team. It makes the whole, you know, enjoying Kevin Love experience better. That's also the uh, Cavs-Warriors matchup is the Kevin Love could have been on either team matchup where <laughs> we if we didn't trade oh. him to the Cavs, we wanted to trade him to the Warriors for Clay Thompson. Something tells me we'll talk about that later. Yeah, good call. We'll get into that a little bit later. Game number four. Spurs Rockets. Another 50 point Timberwolves scorer for the <laughs> Corey, Rockets, Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer. That's right. So, you know, check out Corey. He's always fun to watch, you know, racing up and down the court, fast break dunks, that kind of Corey thing. Corey Brewer is like an elastic band that you snap, like when you shoot a rubber band. He's like that. He's all the tension of pulling it out and then releasing it. Love Corey. Love Corey. And then finishing it up. Some other former faces on the Clippers-Lakers final game of the night. Hopefully you're too drunk to realize how bad of a matchup this is. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be a 40-point game. At least. Uh, but maybe that means that these Wolves will get a little more run. We got Luke Mba Amute. You got Luke it. Richard Mba Amute. Nailed it. And Wesley Johnson, former <laughs> Timberwolves draft pick. Yeah, we'll talk about him again later, too. So those are your Christmas Day games. Uh, I hope you watch all day. And I hope that next year the Wolves have one because these Christmas jerseys are so cool this year. They are the best jerseys I've seen on Christmas Day ever. And it sucks that the Wolves don't get one. Come on, I want to buy one of those. I really hope the Wolves have a Christmas Day game next year. And we can only hope that the jerseys are just as cool. They never do the same jerseys two years in a row. Maybe they'll be maybe like the success of this year's will kind of inspire, you know, something of um, you know, just like a, you know, an update to this year's or something like that. Like maybe they'll be, keep a similar last idea. year was the really bad sleeved ones. So Ooh. it seems like this year is a step forward. They yeah. must be reacting to that. I think last year's jersey just have like the team's logo on, on the like front. In the chest, like right in the yeah, middle. Right in the middle. Not a fan. Not a good look. I think the last year's thing was like the full names was that was that something they did last year they had like our nicknames yeah it was like nicknames so. <laughs> yeah. swaggy p oh man <laughs> all right next at question swaggy p at swaggy p next question uh comes to us from ethan and joel they are at soggy bottoms on on twitter their question is which coen brothers movie best describes this year's timberwolves team scott compared mm, coen brothers local movies. filmmakers doing our state right making that's some right. great movies that's their right. movies always funny fargo the t- fargo the tv show i've been watching that that's incredible writing. both seasons and uh their executive producers on that well uh, what are some movies scott? let's get the obvious one out of the way with yeah. having andre miller Kevin Garnett, two of the f- four oldest players in the league on our team, and also Tayshawn Prince, no spring chicken himself. <laughs> the, this, we're clearly not no country for old men. Right. They made a sequel called Country for Old Men. <laughs> this country's full of them. Yeah, that would be wolves right this now. This Timberwolves country is full of old men. But that question, the question isn't what they aren't. The question is what movie best describes it. Right. I'm going to say Inside Lulin Davis, starring Star Wars The Force Awakens, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Poe Dameron plays a folk artist who just bums around uh, New York and has a generally hard time at life. 
I think that it describes this team because the movie doesn't meet the high expectations that was placed upon it, but Ooh. it has enough exciting moments to make it a memorable experience. I think people who talk to you talk to people about Inside Llewyn Davis, they say, oh, yeah, that was a flawed movie, but I enjoyed the hell out of parts of it. With Andrew Wiggins' brother, uh, Nick, not on the team anymore, it could be, oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, Nick, where did you go? We'd be singing songs and stuff like that. That's, oh, that's, man. That's what happens in that movie, right? People but, sing. Oh, yeah. People sing life. on trains. George Clooney, <laughs> ha- looking handsome. It's, it's a good, I mean, they're all great movies. Go check out Coen Brothers Films if you haven't seen yeah, what them are your before. Faves? What are your faves? I haven't seen too many of them. Uh, I really love Raising Arizona. It's uh, it's got Is Nick Cage in that. Nick Cage. It's so that. whack. You got a great soundtrack. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Whoa. Oh yeah, it's early on, but that's that's probably my favorite. Wow, that's dope. So thanks for writing in. Uh, check out our website, Timberwolves the Podcast. You can submit a question there or get at us on Twitter at WolvesCast. You can ask us a question that way. We will answer it on the show. Yeah, any time of the week. It doesn't have to be uh, right before the show. It can be right now. As you're listening to this, you probably have a question in your brain. So all you got to do, go on Twitter, go on their website, ask it to us. That'd be great. All right, that'll do it for Mailbag. We have a few more segments coming up, so don't go anywhere. Stick around to Timberwolves, the podcast. things today we have a whole list of things to rank today's power ranking scott best wolves what if questions i think we should uh give a quick nod to bill simmons in the book of basketball Uh uh-huh he has a whole chapter of the nba's greatest what if questions always talking about what ifs one of my favorite chapters really fun always fun to think about what ifs so we came up with some for the timberwolves and uh here's our rankings of them that's right number eight what if we won the Shaq draft? Oh, man. Talk about Shaq getting draft. unlucky. We had the worst record that year. We wow. should have had the number one pick. Uh-huh. But instead, we had the number three pick. So he missed out on Shaq and Alonzo yeah. to get Christian later. So we'll Neil, pick three. What would happen <laughs> if we got Shaq? That, I mean, he, Zach, Shaq or Zoe, either one, either one of those two, you know, that's, uh, that reminds me, that reminds me a lot of missing out on the, well, you know, we missed out on Beasley, eventually got him, Beasley yeah. Rose, we thought, you know, we had the, the third, uh, you know, the third pick in there, um, but yeah, having Shaq obviously changes your entire franchise, he's, he takes you to the finals like at a, least once on his own. Yeah, yeah, to have Shaq, you know, I think changes everything, and what's interesting about this one is that it's so early in the, in the franchise's history, you know, it would really uh, change the entire trajectory. It goes way, way back. It's, you know, obviously Shaq's a hall of fame player and and a great player and everything, but just to have something like that happen, you know, as one of your first drafts ever, you know, would, would be enormous. And, uh, instead he goes to Orlando and that, Uh, that's one of their first drafts ever. I'm sure he would call himself the big snowball if he played here or something (laughs) like that. The big snowman. The big snowman. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Or the big bunion. The big ball. (laughs) The big ball, but the big ball. (laughs) The wall of America. Yeah. Shaq's got the best, like given to himself nicknames. Aristotle. It usually doesn't work. Diesel. So funny because his teammate Kobe couldn't do it. He tried Mamba. (laughs) Ugh. You can't give yourself that nickname. Right. All right. Next what if question. Number seven. 
What if we had traded Kevin Love for Clay Thompson? There were rumors. There were rumors. You know, there were rumors of uh, you know the Warriors looking to possibly move Clay, and uh, you know Kevin Love was the superstar who was available, and Flip Saunders held his ground. Yeah, I think that worked out. Obviously, I think we would we're all happy with how it turned out. Clay uh, would be the best scorer on our team of last year's squad. If instead of getting Wiggins and Anthony Bennett, we ended up with a package of Clay. Maybe Harrison Barnes. I don't know what yeah. else would be tossed in there, but maybe David Lee. Yeah. But I think either way, we don't try to tank for the number one pick last year. We actually try to make a run at the playoffs. If Flip has Clay Thompson, Flip would have built this team around more of a run right now because we're more we were we had the personnel to go either way, and we went towards the tank direction. Right. Um, so I think we would be. I've been like maybe you know the ninth spot in the West last year, or ninth or tenth spot in the West, and probably trying to compete uh, for playoffs again this year with a team built around Clay Thompson, who is just an outstanding shooter, maybe the best shooting guard in the NBA. I think you could build a team around him as your 1A. I think he could be your star, but that's why Golden State's so good is that he only has to be their third best player. At the time, it was sort of like, no, let's not trade for Clay. I feel like that was sort of consensus. It was like, no, we can get more or, or something like that. You know, and obviously we did get a better deal, but Clay also has improved since then. You know, I think Clay's game has improved and diversified. And, you know, so I think it would have been a nice piece to get better than we thought at the time. But obviously we got the get the we get the better end of uh, that different deal. Yeah, I like <laughs> in that, that situation. Future, but it is a good question. What would have happened? <laughs> Number six. What if we drafted Boogie instead of Wes Johnson oh, a few geez. years ago? Um, oh, that's I mean, a big one. I think the Wolves had like the fifth pick or something like we that. Had the fourth pick. Fourth pick. Wesley Johnson. Yeah. And I and remember we had to I, trade I, him away. We had to use a first round pick to trade him away. To make room for Karolinka. Boston has that pick right now. <laughs> that's the pick we're trying to tank and, and get this year. But hey, Wes is playing on Christmas, Scott. Wes is playing on Christmas. He's now playing for the Lakers and the Clippers, as well as the Suns. He's been an NBA journeyman. I remember that draft. And to me, the thing that sticks out was at, at the time, the sort of like, you know, the idea was we can't draft Boogie. He's too, he's potentially a malcontent, which came true. Uh, but we already have bigs. We had, I think at the yeah. time we had Al Jefferson and Kevin Love. <laughs> so the idea was like, we're already good in the bigs department. We got to go for a wing. Obviously misguided. This is a David contract. Also, yeah. Think <laughs> about like how well Kevin Love and Boogie could play together. Ooh. With that inside outside game. Love that'd be, it. That'd be killer. Uh, Obviously, Glenn Taylor's not going to roll the dice on anyone. I'll say that Cousins is a head case, but he's not a thug. I think that was kind of the problem yeah. is we thought he would be in trouble with the law, and he never has been. So yeah. <laughs> he, he you know, is a jerk to referees. He's, he's more trouble on the court than yeah, off. <laughs> exactly. And so um, I remember the re- real thing you were disappointed about, though, after that lottery is you what wanted John Wall, number one. That's the John <laughs> well, yeah. Wall job. John Wall. And so once we did get, I think we had like a bottom record that year. I think mm-hmm. we had like a worst two record or something. Yep. And so when we didn't get John Wall, you really wanted Evan Turner as well you, you were really in on I Evan remember Turner. wanting the Wolves to move up to get Evan Turner right so maybe it's not the worst we weren't the only ones to make huge mistakes and not pick Bo- Boogie but yeah Boogie would have made this team a contender for the title right now if we had Boogie and Love on it that's right number five speaking of Love what if we gave Kevin Love the fifth year deal he had wanted on his contract famously uh, David Kahn gives him the the four-year deal with the you know with the opt-out and uh, you know you know many people think the very disrespectful type of deal towards uh, Kevin Love and one of the uh, biggest mistakes in franchise history just shot ourselves in our foot yeah put this 
it put a darkness over the next couple of years because everyone had that opt out date marked on their calendar yes. at like an execution date. And so like we all knew the next couple of years didn't become about building a team together and growing it organically. It was about how can we shortchange this process as fast as possible <laughs> so that we can figure out shortcuts to keep Kevin Love here. And so we went after uh, Adelman. We uh, signed Buttinger and Kevin Martin on these deals that were kind of like win now we're going for the playoffs deals. And it was it was a disaster. Um, it, we ended up getting the silver lining of that disaster in Andrew Wiggins, but it was that was such a mess. I got to think that Kevin Love right now would be on the last year of his deal with the Wolves. Uh, yep. And we would have, like I said, we would have probably built a more organic team around him throughout those years. But at the same time, David Kahn would still be on this team if Kevin Love had a five-year deal. So I guess I take it all back. Yeah, it's funny to sort of think about those types of things right. where it's like... Kahn wouldn't have lost his job if he didn't mess up the Kevin Love thing. It's like so technically bad. wrong and you made the wrong decision, but right now where we're sitting is, is still okay. And it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're all right. It's all good. It's all good. But you sort of have to look at these mistakes and be like, you made a mistake here. Come on. I bet you Kahn dra- <laughs> would draft... Uh, like Moutier over Towns or something, you know, with the number one pick. <laughs> who, who would have con drafted this year? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was number one. Oh, my God. Willie Cauley-Stein. Not thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Next up, this one. What if we never signed Joe Smith to an illegal contract? Yeah, going people, back. Going back to the, like, 90s. Going yeah, back to the late 90s. a lot of people 90s. don't realize one of the two major reasons we can never build a solid team around Kevin Garnett, the major reason was they changed the cap after we gave him a major deal where yeah. we were locked into his old deal with a new cap environment so he couldn't spend on players the same way other teams could. And so that was prohibitive. But the other thing is we tried to sign Joe Smith to an illegal <laughs> contract, and because of that, David Stern took away five draft picks from us. David Stern doesn't do that to anyone else, by the way. Like That does not happen to the Lakers, the Knicks, ever. It's only because we're the Wolves that he can be like, oh yeah, I'm going to take away five draft picks. But good luck trying to build around a team when you can't spend on free agency and you can't get new talent through the draft. No wonder Kevin Kevin Garnett was all by himself. And so I think if we had draft picks, we would have gone to the finals during that that was Kevin Love wow. years. I think or not Kevin Love years, Kevin Garnett. And I also think KG would have never been traded because he would have had a lot more support and he would have never needed to be in the bad situation that he was in. Looking at a USA Today article about the Joe Smith deal, it says, as it turns out, Smith and the Timberwolves had an under-the-table agreement in place where Smith would sign three one-year deals for very little money, allowing the Timberwolves to acquire his bird rights, which would allow them to go over the salary cap to re-sign him. He would have been rewarded with this lucrative contract that would have paid him up to $86 million. This arrangement, of course, was highly legal, and sanctions came down hard in the Timberwolves when the league found out. How many times <laughs> does that happen every offseason? Every team is doing under-the-table deals with these guys. We well, see it every single year. Don't get caught. I'm just saying that like <laughs> it would be unfathomable for this to happen today. Like For people to be like, oh, the Rockets, you made this deal with Jeremy Lin with the poison yeah. pill or whatever, and they're like... We got you. Here's now you're screwed in the draft for five years. That doesn't happen anymore. Like the fact that it happened to the Timberwolves is just like the biggest. Like we don't care about your franchise yeah. move that David Stern. The big one off. that Simmons always talks about these days is Dragic in Miami, yeah. saying that like they had it under the table oh, deal that easily. he would resign. That's also illegal. That's the kind of thing that we did and got caught. Oh, but look at this. And they're not going down on Mick Yardison or Pat yeah, Riley. Yeah. No, no, we'd never take draft picks away from them. The marquee teams. Moving along to the big ones, number three on. On the list of Timberwolves what if questions what if we drafted Steph Curry that comes around every year when the you know Warriors are are balling and uh, especially right now and things it's been it's been a topic for a while Scott what if we drafted Steph Curry 
You know, instead think, of Johnny Flynn, <laughs> I think that if we weighted these differently, Shaq and Curry would be right up there where it's like, what if we had drafted a MVP who uh, it will be remembered as a, a transcendent NBA yeah. talent? Like people, will, I mean, it's a little early on Curry. He needs to have a couple more years like this, but at the rate Curry's on, he will be remembered like Shaq as a once in a generation talent that you missed on. Shaq went first. We couldn't have drafted him with a third pick, but we could have drafted Curry, and that will always be a thorn in our side, you know? Uh, we'll always remember that mistake. Um, if we had him now, we would be rolling in the finals. I think Curry's got the talent where he could take any team, you know? I mean, Curry obviously, Rubio. Golden State doesn't do what they're doing without Draymond Green and things like that, but I think like having the talent of Curry is a huge major first step. What if the Memphis Grizzlies took Steph Curry instead of Hashim Thabit That's the real two. thing, though, yeah. Any team can beat <laughs> themselves. Up. Like we could beat ourselves up about taking West. Steph went like seven, Boogie. I think, or seven or eight. Yeah, or he went seven. So you know that means there that was a bunch of teams that passed. A bunch of teams passed him up. It's easy to beat ourselves up, but we were just one of many, right? Who said no? This guy's too short. Fourth year guy from a day, team called Davidson. What? Where's that? What's that? Yeah, it's not a it's not a huge comfort, but at least they, uh, you can tell yourselves that Tim Rolls fans as uh, you know you tuck yourselves into bed all the way until Steph Curry makes the Hall of Fame. <laughs> And then number two, get him down there. What if we never traded KG? Whoa, what if we never moved on from the KG era, shipped him to Boston for pieces and parts and picks? Famously, since that trade, we've never made the playoffs and never fit, had a winning season. Our best season since trading Kevin Garnett was the 40 and 44 season. Or whatever. I, yeah. I didn't do the math right. Yeah. But 40, or, you guys got it. Kevin loves final season here, the Rick Adelman season. I I think we did the right thing in this situation. I'm happy that KG went elsewhere and won a title. You know, I don't believe that would have happened here. So, you know, I have an affinity for such an affinity for KG that even though he got it done elsewhere, I'm glad that that happened. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm glad that happened to him because it's something that he clearly wanted so badly and um, rightfully wanted so badly and wasn't happening here. <laughs> I'm happy for him, but the question is, what if we didn't trade him? What if right. he stayed here? Well, you would think that we would try to just keep surrounding him with talent. We saw from his time in Boston that he had a couple more, like, 2008, he could have been the MVP of the league. Yeah. And 2009, until he injured himself, he was awesome. 2010, he was great. It's only in the, you know, 2012 onwards that he's really lost a step. So we would have still had another three or four like solid PKG years, which I think is, you know, enough time to stabilize the culture of this organization so that we don't spiral out of control like we did after <laughs> trading Kevin Garnett. That's when things got murky and we started like firing people who had been around for the KG era and hiring David Kahn and his cronies. I think if we keep Kevin Garnett, there's a stability to this franchise and this franchise is as popular today as the Twins are in the Twin Cities because everyone lost interest in the Timberwolves when Kevin Garnett left and we were terrible, people never came back. And people still haven't come back. And I think that Kevin Garnett is such a magnetic personality in the Twin Cities. He has so many diehard fans here. That at the very least, the, the Timberwolves would be as popular today as the Twins if Kevin Garnett never left. I think you're right. Number one, the last one here on our Power Rankings Best Wolves What If Questions. What if Stefan Marbury stayed? All right. So again, kind of a KG question. Uh, you know, because, you know, those those are the top two guys right there for a while. Marbury, you know, Marbury and KG teaming up. Stockton Malone. Stockton Malone. Yeah. It never really got off the ground. There were issues kind of the whole time. Marbury and, and, and KG apparently, um, 
you know, there were some, there was some ego issues, I guess you could say, um, stuff like that. Marbury wanted to get paid more. KG got that huge, at the time, historic contract, and, and Marbury was kind of left with what was well, <laughs> left over. Like from I that. said, they changed the cap rules after yeah. that Garnett contract, so we couldn't, we couldn't give we Marbury. We could not give it to him. Yes. And he couldn't live with that. But, I mean, those are probably the, t- you know, the top two you know that having those guys side by side, two great talents. Um, you know that the Wolves, you know, haven't really seen since to have we, two guys like that. Yeah, we were. You saw we made our biggest playoff run to the Western Conference Finals the year that KG had like a good point guard by him. Right. If we had an All Star level point guard by KG, like KG's game would have been even greater than we remember from those two thousand eras. Like KG was the best player in basketball during the two thousand eras for many years. Yeah. And imagine that best player playing better, like where he doesn't have to like be the entire you know shoulder to the entire load when he gets the All Star point guard that fills it up and like. Also is great at hooking uh-huh. him up with the ball. I mean, you would have to think that we'd be in the Western Conference Finals, you know, or at least we would be like, a, a, what's the equivalent of this now? Maybe the Spurs, where it's like, if you if you don't, if they're not making the finals, you have to go through them to get to the finals. You're right there. Yeah. Like, we would be there in this conference semis and fi- conference finals, I think. It's easy to forget, year. though, I think, because really, like we said, it never really got off the ground. It's not like this team even won a playoff series together. Yeah. But... KG and Marbury together, you know, had they kind of stayed and, um, you know, grown together a little bit, it really would have been the best chance, I think, that the Timberwolves could have to win a title. It's easier to build around two players than it is just to build around one. Right. Unfortunately, Marbury left. We traded him. He got traded in the league a bunch of times. Now he's in China. He's a legend. Yeah. A legend <laughs> in all the runways. That'll do it for Power Rankings. We ranked them all. Best Wolves What If questions. If you have some Wolves What Ifs, let us know. On Twitter, at WolvesCast. Holla at us. Maybe we'll amend the list, add some more to it. Uh, but don't go anywhere. we got one more segment left. We're going to play a game before we wrap up the podcast. It's Timberwolves, the podcast. Time to play a game. Time to play a game. It's game time. End of the podcast. Game time. Scott, you have a game for me today. Neil, one of my favorite things to do every year is pour through the Timberwolves Media Guide. There are cool. so many fun and weird factoids in there. What so, is the Timberwolves Media Guide? Oh, for those I'm glad who don't you know. asked. Yeah. It's, it's downloadable on the Timberwolves website. It's PDF. a it's a media guide that contains biographical information about all the players, as well as historical information about Timberwolves records, how we did in games last season, opponents' records. You can if you want to know like who scored the most points for an opposing team in the target side. Center, that's it's in there. Available. Also, you were at that game, so you know who did that. Tony Parker. Yep, we just saw him. You know, last night he's still killing it. So here we go. Here are some fun factoids that I pulled out. I'm gonna I, give you a quiz about. Great. Let's get it kicked off. Which Timberwolves players listed weight is 307 pounds? Current. Yep. Or all time. This is current. People current on this year's weight. team. Yep. 300 pounds. 307. Peck. Pekovic. Whoa. Pekovic, 307. Like, <laughs> Three bills. That's crazy. Usually players lie about their weights on this, but Whoa. I don't think he is. Yeah. Okay. At 244 pounds. <laughs> weight. <laughs> whose listed weight is the second heaviest on the team? Look at that gap from 307 to 244. Who's the second heaviest player on the Timberwolves? Uh, Bielitsa? Cat. Cat. Okay. Cat. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are just under him. A lot in the 240 range. But, wow, uh, I didn't think Cat could come in with a rook, the rook weight. Yeah, I know. All right, right? all right, all right. Uh, which player lists Len Bias as his favorite NBA player or his favorite player? Len Bias is his favorite player. 
Also, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I think I heard him say that. Oh yeah, my god, Len that's so Bias. weird. So yeah, weird. That's a that's a strange one. Oh, that's, Rest that's in like peace. a hipster answer. It's yeah. like, what's your favorite album of the year? <laughs> oh, you didn't hear it. It was this album, you know, kind of thing. Nobody else is going to say this one. Oh yeah, no, I agree. No one else will say that one. Uh, which player is named after his mother? Huh. And uh, I'll, I have no idea. I'm going to guess Tayshawn Prince. Oh, not a bad guess. It's Andre Miller. Andre. His mother is Andrea Andrea. I don't know how you say it, but it's, it's Andre with an A on the end. Yeah. <laughs> so she Andrea, dropped it A. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like I'm, I'm, Iman Shumpert just named his daughter Iman, which is great. <laughs> Junior. Yeah, Iman Jr. All right, next up. Which player has been featured on the cover of Sports Illustrated seven times? KG. That's correct. Yeah. Who else? Who else? It. <laughs> okay, which player has seven siblings? <laughs> which player has seven siblings that's a lot uh zach no no who corgi jane <laughs> corgi? One, one of eight whoa mm-hmm. the jang family's huge yeah no it's size wise and uh people wise oh yeah exactly <laughs> height wise yeah um next question which player was his high school league mvp in football as a quarterback quarterback high school league mvp not team mvp league mvp yeah as a quarterback qb high school qb um uh hmm i'm gonna i'm gonna guess tayshaun prince again no who is it you're close in age it's the point guard andre miller whoa quarterback before he was quarterbacking around the court he was quarterbacking (laughs) on the football field i see where he gets it i like it posting up defenders (laughs) and chucking passes all the way no wonder he's such a good lob thrower you know it's not that quarterback in him wow All right, we got three more questions for you. Which player in his senior year at Andrew Wiggins High School, Huntington Prep? It's not Andrew Wiggins. He went to the same high school as Andrew Wiggins. In his senior year at that high school, he scored 15 points, 12 rebounds, and seven blocks a game. Uh, Someone who went to the same high school as Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. Not Uh, at the same time. uh, Trick question, Nick Wiggins? Oh, no, that, that would have been good. He's not, he's not in the media guide, but Lorenzo Brown is. It's Lo not, Brown. It's, no, it's not Lorenzo Brown. It's Gorgie J. What? That's crazy. 15, 12, and 7 was his, his line his senior year. Went to high school in Toronto? Uh, Huntington Prep is in Virginia. Oh. And uh, Wiggins came for his like senior year, I believe. I see, I see. It. Yep. So it's kind of a prep school. Gotcha. College hoops. It's like an Oak Hill, like a basketball high school place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of Gorgie, which of these languages does Gorgie not speak? <laughs> I liked it. Italian, okay. French, Portuguese, or Wolof? <laughs> it's a Wolof. W-O-L-O-F. Wolof. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, Portuguese. You're correct. Oh, yep. he speaks, guess. He speaks Spanish and English in addition to Italian and French. Italian. Wolof, which is his native language, Wolof. Uh, I'm- Go figure. Wow. Uh, and then finally, let's wrap it all up. Which Timberwolf had Ninad Kristich as his best man at his wedding? <laughs> Former Thunder player on the cover of Sports Illustrated with KD, Ninad Kristich. Oh, wow. Kristich. Uh, Bielitsa? Bielitsa's correct. There we go. Oh, Euros, Euros sticking together. together. Sticking together. Wow. Look at those facts from the media guide. Oh. That's that's incredible. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's yeah. free, everyone. Just go download the media guide. I am just search for 2016 or 2015, 2016 Timberwolves media guide. You'll find it. Yeah, you're right. It's free. We do download it. It's a big PDF. It's like 150 pages. Oh yeah, it's huge. Oh man, I can lose an afternoon on that easily. And there's so much that. cool historical information and stuff like Hubers told me. That's great. 
So, thanks for the quiz. Thanks for listening this week, everybody. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas or whatever holiday that you may be celebrating. So thank you for listening. And remember to check us out, TimberwolvesThePodcast.com. We're at WolvesCast on Twitter. You can review us on iTunes, and we will send you prizes. So Ooh. go ahead and do that. We love hearing from you. Thanks for reaching out. And Neil, do you have anything else? Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, and in the immortal words of Rick Sanchez, being nice is something stupid people do to hedge their bets. 